You're listening to audio from St. Luke Church in Lexington, Kentucky. If you'd like to learn more or donate to this ministry, please check out our website at stlukelex.com. been so excited for this series for a year now. I have, that's the truth. I, I came upon a verse of scripture I'd read, I don't know, a number of times, but here it is. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That's it. See, y'all don't get it. And I was kind of expecting that, and that's okay. But this is it. It's everything. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Maybe, maybe we don't get very excited because it's so oft-repeated, or maybe it's our view of God's character. Maybe, maybe really the issue is us, but we miss it, and it's huge because it's not that God got stuck with us. It's not God settled for us. It's not... God ended up with us. It's not that God tolerated us. It's that God chose us. Before the foundations of the world were ever laid, God chose us in Him. He chose you in Him to be part of His family. And this is exactly what I was expecting. Consistently throughout Scripture, God chose us. In fact, the book of Exodus God calls Israel his firstborn son. The book of Deuteronomy, the Lord has chosen you. We find this thread that runs all throughout Scripture in our theological tradition. It's called the doctrine of adoption. And that's what I was expecting. Because how many times have you heard a teaching series about the doctrine of adoption growing up? Or being part of a church? Or maybe even at all? Or did you know that there was a doctrine of adoption? Some of you are really freaked out right now, but hang in there. It's going to be okay. You know, Methodist brothers and sisters, this is a huge foundational, elemental, central part of who we are as Wesleyan people. And yet the problem is most of our churches, what we tend to read by Christian authors, Christian books, Christian Bible studies, they're not even remotely Methodist or Wesleyan. In fact, they're everything but. And this has very much shaped our thinking, not only about God, but about who we are and about the nature of salvation itself. For example, do you recognize that our Wesleyan heritage, salvation is a process? It's not a moment, it's a process. Before the foundations of the world, God chose us in Him. There's a process that's always existed. We call this the ordo salutis, the order of salvation. Has anybody... Okay, I was kind of expecting that. So it's okay. It's okay. Here's how it works. It starts with something called provenient grace. And the idea is this. God has been reaching out to us ever from the moment of our conception. Reaching out to us. Even if you don't want God to reach out to you, (laughs) guess what? He's reaching out anyway. And at a certain point, what God desires is that we would repent. We'd literally turn away from the things we're living for and turn to Christ to trust him. That's faith. Faith is trust. We trust God for the salvation we need, for our daily bread. I mean, that can go on for a long time. That's a whole series in and of itself. And when that happens, when we trust Christ, when we have faith, 
we're justified. Meaning under the law, the law of Scripture, the commandments, God gives us a verdict of not guilty. And then He changes our hearts. He regenerates us. We were dead, but now we're made alive. And after He regenerates us, He adopts us and brings us into His family. There's no second-class citizens. It's not like God just says, you're saved, that's the end of it. (laughs) He wants us to be part of His family, and He gives us assurance of that, that we are forgiven, that we are children of God, that we have been saved, that we are headed for an eternal destiny with God, and after that, He begins to sanctify us or make us holy. There's a process to it. In fact, we're supposed to come to a place in which we wouldn't want to willfully sin against God anymore. In fact, we're not only supposed to get there, we're supposed to expect that it would happen. And if that's not enough, there's going to come a time where we'll walk with Jesus in the new Jerusalem. See, there's a process. And the Ordo Salutis, the order of salvation, it's a game changer because it very much affects the way that you view God and yourself and what he's doing in your life altogether. More often than not, what we tend to think is the father is like a really mean, grumpy judge with a constantly bad day happening. Are we close? Divine lightning bolts coming down. And Jesus steps in the way and goes, no, Dad, they're okay, they're with me. I died on a cross, I rose again from the dead. And the Holy Spirit, we're not really sure what to do with the Holy Spirit. We just go, that's like some oblong blur that hangs out up here. But there's an order. And right in the heart of the order, in case you missed it, is this doctrine called adoption. The point isn't to get you out of hell and into heaven. The point is to have you join a divine family who helps you live your life every day. And somewhere along the way, I think we've missed the point. In fact, John Wesley talks about this in his sermon, The Spirit of Bondage and Adoption. He says there's three states that people tend to gravitate towards. The natural state in which people say, well, you know, I'm good. Like, my good things outweigh my bad things, and that fits me for heaven, or the legal state where people are constantly trying to please God. This is where a lot of church people live. And so they think if I just do this or say this or I'm on this team or I'm part of this ministry or I go on this mission trip or whatever, well, then God will be well pleased with me. And the problem is, how many of you have bad days? Thank you for not letting me be alone on that one. And when we have bad days and we feel like we don't please God, well, then how do you feel? I'm dirt. I'm bad. I need to try again. I didn't try hard enough. I mean, it's just murder on your soul. Yes? And so there's this third state, which Wesley talks about, the evangelical state. And look, I realize that's a politically loaded word that's been completely by co-opt, been co-opted by the political and news machine. That's not the junk I'm after this morning. I'm talking about where the love of God really begins to pour into our hearts and we recognize we not only need to repent and be made new and trust in Christ, but he he wants us. He wants to adopt us into his family. That's where we're intended to live. So I wonder this morning, as we're kind of at the outset of Lent, where are you? False thinking of, hey, I'm a good person, or stuck in legal land of trying to please God, or living into the adoption that he has for you as beloved sons and daughters. And that's at the heart of what Paul has to say to us today from Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ 
with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we've obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory in him. You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Some of you are thinking, man, that's a lot of word soup for today. What are you after? Three things. God's blessed us, God has chosen us, and God has adopted us. Now, blessed we get. It's favor that we didn't earn. You got something, you didn't deserve it, but it's yours. We get blessed. Chosen, maybe we get that too. It's an identity, it's a confidence, it's a connection to the God of the universe, but this word adopted, hmm, what's that all about? Well, it's two words. The word for son and the word for position. So when you think about adoption, I want you to think about the position of sonship or daughtership. And in the ancient world, just like in the world we live in today, there were adoptions all the time. And the person would come up before the family and the family would bestow on them not only the legal, but all of the relational and spiritual benefits of being part of that family. You're one of us. You're ours. We'll defend you to the death. You got some ride or dies like that? You should. That's adoption. Now the question is, how are we adopted? Well, what we're told in the passage is he's blessed us. Come on now. And he chose us. And he adopted us through Jesus Christ. So the key words are in Christ or in him, and this is how it works before the foundations of the world were ever laid. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit knew that the kids would go missing. We're pros at this, yes? Genesis chapter 3, it's not a story that happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It happens every day. We hurt God, we hurt other people, and then we run away. We just have more clever, fanciful ways of talking about it. I need a relational break right now. Yeah. And so God knew that he would have to come after us. And what the Father, Son, and Spirit decided was that his lost and missing kids, which is all of us, they would be blessed and chosen insofar as they're related to Christ. That if people are in Christ, they would be adopted and chosen and blessed. He didn't predestine some for hell and others for heaven. He chose Christ. And so far as you're related to Christ the blessing, and the chosen comes. So you have to ask yourself this morning, are you in Christ? A lot of you are saying, well, I'm here. I'm glad you're here. But that doesn't mean anything. Are you in Christ? Are you living life in the family of God? 
Do you trust him? Do you worship him? Do you worship other things? Are you in Christ? Because the connection to Christ is what brings all the blessings of Christ to you. And you're like, that's a lot of word soup there. Well, let me lay it down real quick. If you're in him, you have redemption and forgiveness and grace. You know his will. You have an inheritance. You have hope. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. If you're in him, if you're in Christ. And what I hear God telling us through this word from Paul this morning is very simple. That if you're in Christ, your past is forgiven. That if you're in Christ, you presently know the will of God for your life. And I don't just mean like which tacos you're going to eat at lunch. I'm talking about how you're going to live. And if you're in Christ, you have an eternal inheritance that can never be taken away from you no matter what you go through in this world. That's what you gain in Christ. And here's the thing, friends. That's a dang good sermon. The problem is... When we tend to talk about this, everybody sleeps. Because you go, well, okay, whatever. Like, I kind of know that. I kind of don't. Maybe you've opened some new things up for me. And the reason, in my opinion, is this. People tend to stop at either being blessed or chosen. They stop at being blessed or chosen. Lots of people will talk about being blessed. How are you today? I'm blessed. What does that mean? More often than not, people talk or equate blessing to material things or a state of health. I'm blessed. Is there really a need for God in that? Why is it that we tend to seek the blessing more than the blesser? Yes? So people are blessed. In fact, this could be summarized by a quote that I saw the other day. Do whatever makes you happy. The days aren't coming back. Now, to one degree, there's truth to this, right? You can't get back yesterday. You already did it. But to another degree, what it really means is there's nothing of any eternal consequence or value in this world. Days aren't coming back. Just do whatever you want. Do whatever makes you happy. And yet, we never stop along the way to ask ourselves, are the things which make us happy good or good for us? And so people tend to bump along blissfully. Well, I'm happy, I'm blessed, you know. Maybe so. But how does that work out long term? And if God is real in this construct of what it is to be blessed, well, more often than not, God is much more like in a benevolent grandpa who gets you ice cream no matter what. There's no consequence. There's no call to be holy. You're just kind of good. I'm not really sure that's who God is. Now, on the other hand, if you move beyond blessed to the chosen state of things, people really struggle here with trying to please God. Well, if I do just enough good things, if I'm nice to that coworker, <laughs> if I give up chocolate at Lent, if I stop saying words that I know I shouldn't say, if I quit yelling at the guy next to me on New Circle Road, then I'll be okay with God. And more often than not, the way that people view God is this father who's calling down lightning bolts from heaven to strike you at the next possible moment. Undoubtedly, God is holy, and thank God that Jesus paid the price for us. But while this God might be holy, is he good? Does he love us? And people get exhausted living in this chosen state. 
wondering, is God good? Does he love me? Where do I stand? I need to earn God's blessing. There's so much fear and such little faith that they struggle. And here's the thing. Most of America, I think, lives somewhere between the blessed and the chosen state. Somewhere between blessed and chosen. That's where people tend to live, depending on where they're at in the moment with God and they miss out on something bigger. The first God, the blessed God, that God isn't worth much, to be frank. And the second version, I'm not sure that God is worth knowing. One is a version of God that's a sap, and the other is a version of God that is spiteful. And that brings me back to the one-liner. I'm telling you, it grips you. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And it brings me back to the power of adoption. You know who helped me most with that? My dog. Some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, he really has lost it now. <laughs> Just bear with me. When we move from the wrong side of I-64 to the right one, <laughs> my daughter wanted a dog more than anything. And so before the foundations of the world were laid, she and her mother, in divine wisdom, purposed a plan. She went off to camp with her brother, and one night, in the middle of a really great birdie streak, on nine holes, Mandy said to me, you know, we need to get Sarah Margaret a dog. I got to confess, I didn't grow up with one. I like dogs, but didn't grow up with a dog. I wasn't sure what to do with that because, to be frank, we're not home a lot. And I said, well, you know, I think you're probably right. We need to do this. And she said, well, it just so happens that I've been on this Facebook group. <laughs> Guys, you know how the script goes? I've been on this Facebook group, and I've been chatting with somebody, and it just so happens that there's this dog that that they're wanting to give up. And before I know it, after one more birdie, we're headed down the road to go pick up this dog. And so we walk down this lane to go to this garage where our dog lived. And it was clean. He appeared to be well taken care of. And what the owner said was, well, here's the thing. This dog is a breeder dog, and he's not vigorous enough. So I walked into this place and sure enough, there's a 15-pound poodle. Now, my dog's five pounds. 15-pound poodle that comes out goes, I'm like, <laughs> And I can see why he wasn't vigorous enough. Perhaps, perhaps he really just had taste. So sure enough, we take the dog, put the dog on my lap, and we take off for home, and Mandy's talking about how this is going to eat dog food and this is what it's going to cost because that's the accountant in me. Please forgive me. And when we get home, he's got worms and now he's on a special diet. And we've got to pull teeth and we've got huge vet bill and all of this other stuff, but I can't help but love this thing because he was rescued. I mean, I felt like Liam Neeson on Taken, you know? <laughs> Go get him back. And so we picked him up and we rode down the road and we realized he needed a new name because his old name was part of his old life, a life in which he was held in captivity in a not very good situation and he needed a new identity and so we named him Arnie. 
and he's a little devious like me, and sometimes he's a stinker, but rather than well-placed, divinely timed lightning bolts, I can't help but love this dog. When I was sick with COVID for two weeks, he just sat with me and looked at me like, oh, buddy, you do not feel well. (laughs) And that's never changed. And friends, here's the thing. When we got Arnie, we didn't see rags, we saw radiance. We didn't see worms, we saw wonder. When he misbehaves, I don't feel lightning bolts, but total love. And some of you were saying a few moments ago, yeah, this adoption thing, eh, whatever. Some people think they're blessed, others think think that they're chosen, but let me assure you, you're none of these until you're adopted into the family of God. Our Father doesn't see his children in rags. When we're adopted in Christ, he sees the radiance of the sun in them. He says, that one's mine. I know that one. I love them. And as we're into the family of God, we recognize that we can't live for the things that we once did. There's a family code of conduct. There's a call for something greater. And that's where I think this little five-pound terror has helped me out. And this is what I want to leave you with during Lent. Arnie came to us with nothing. He was a hot mess. Frankly, he costs a decent chunk of money. And yet, that's how we come to God, with nothing. And it costs him everything. And the good news is, he wants us. Every single one of us, all of us, with all that we are, that's what God wants. Because you're not just saved from something, you're saved for someone. And it's not that God's greatest desire is to get you out of hell and into heaven. What he wants to do is get you out of that garage you're living in with whatever it is and the things that you're living for, and he wants to bring you into his divine family and give you a new identity and a new purpose to forgive you of your past and give you the hope of an eternal future. And friends, without the doctrine of adoption, that's what we miss. It's just a legal transaction. I wonder how many of us miss it, that God wants to do something infinitely greater in our lives if we'll just fully hand ourselves over to him and be his adopted sons and daughters of God. He didn't get stuck with you. He didn't end up with you. He didn't lose a bet because of you or settle for you. He chose you before the foundations of the world. That's the truth of the gospel. You, with all your stuff, And mine, with all of mine, he chose us so that we could become holy and blameless before him. To be a new kind of person who lives our lives before God. When you're adopted, when you're in Christ, you come to realize that God did so. He adopted you to bring you to greatness, to be a witness for his glory. And that's why you're here. And that's why we get up on Sunday morning and worship him. Give him your heart. Give him your life. Give him your everything. That's what adoption calls us to do. And I want you to know that when you come to this table this morning, you don't do so as a sinner. If you're adopted in Christ, you do so as a beloved saint who's part of the family of God. So you hold your head high 
knowing what he's redeemed you from. And you let your heart be free and let him change you from the inside out. And God will do it. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us. Almighty God, we thank you. Father, Son, and Spirit, you, you didn't get stuck with us. You didn't end up with us. You didn't just make a bargain for us. You chose us before the foundations of the world to bring us into your family, and you paid a great price on a cross. You rose again from the dead to give us new life. And Lord, we want to boldly come before your eternal throne this morning to claim what you've given. Not because we're good, but because you are. Not because we're yet lived into all of the the holy desires that you have for us, but because we're a work in progress. Jesus, help us become your beloved sons and daughters today by faith, by trust. Call us to change. Transform the way that we think and the way that we live.